Alright folks, settle in here. This might be a little bit longer of an episode and I'm sorry for that, but I got a lot I want to talk about. Um, it's maybe a little bit more of a technical episode than what I've done in the past, but I'm going to try to keep it light. I'm going to try to keep it fun. Um, so here's what, the, here's what it is. You should be running Linux as your daily desktop driver. That's it. That's the show, folks. See you on Wednesday. Alright, alright. I kid. But uh, we are going to talk about that today. Why you should, the pros and cons. Also, uh, I just noticed that I always say we when I say we are going to talk about stuff. So it's like you're sitting here and we're chatting. And I think, I, I think I'm going to keep doing that. <laughs> it keeps it real for me. Anyways, it's Monday, August 15th, 2022. And this is The Brew House. I'm also sorry for the crickets. It's also cricket season in The Brew House. So you're going to have to suffer through those this episode if, if you can hear them. Uh, all right, so I started using uh, Linux as my daily driver back in about 2003, both professionally and at home. And I can tell you over the years that uh, the GUI support and the hardware support has gotten like leaps and bounds better than what it used to be. And really, the GUI support, like the graphical interface, that, that, that was always the rub for me uh, when I created my first uh, thin client Linux distro called Thinix. I would always struggle getting the GUI to pop up on these old machines. Um, you know, they'd switch the monitor out and the stupid thing wouldn't boot. You know, we did our best to try to build auto configuration tools, use the, use the X11 auto configuration tools. But, you know, depending on the monitor, it just, I would struggle. Now, I did take a break from Linux between the years roughly 2016 and, and 2020. I started using Mac OS. Um, I just was, I wanted to try something different. And so... What what the real rub what the real thing was was it was GUI based. I had a laptop that I purchased that um, I think it's a was a Razer Blade that had Thunderbolt on it and it had a really nice integrated video card and I couldn't drive three monitors. A requirement of mine is to be able to drive three monitors um, when I'm plugged in at the desk and I couldn't do it. I even bought an external GPU and then I did make that work, but it was kind of a hassle. I'd run two sessions. It, it just wasn't worth my time to every day when I, when I plugged in, have this work. And then when I unplugged the GPU, sometimes Linux would crash and stuff. So I just kind of decided to take a break between 2016 and 2022. I still use Linux on the server, but I was using Mac OS exclusively because I could take one machine with me. You know, it had the terminal, it had bash, but I mean, Mac's changed over the, over the years too. And, uh, after I spilled water on my my Mac and it quit booting, I thought I have this Linux laptop that I kind of keep on the counter at home. Then I'm just gonna I'm just gonna start using that. Um, Mac also switched to like ZSH, I think, for the for the shell instead of Bash. And it, honestly, in my opinion, once you get past the sleek styling of the uh, MacBooks, I, I, I kind of think that the hardware's sort of low quality. I really do. I mean, they really made a flub with that butterfly keyboard. I I. I really lost my faith in Apple when I couldn't type. <laughs> as a as a as a computer programmer and whatever, uh, I, I need a I need a good keyboard. And I, normally I hook a mechanical keyboard up to it, and, and I get the nice tactile clicks and stuff. But when I'm on the road, I need to be able to feel me feel the button press. And so, anyways, if I'm going to buy a low quality laptop, then why not pay a little less, format it, and install Linux? Anyways, you know, I was used to the Mac OS. I love the dock. I thought it was a great feature. And I think if you're the same way, like using Mac OS, you're, you'd love XFCE. It's a great um, graphical interface that's got the dock and the whole works, plus it's, it's better. And at, like if I, I, I wrote my own scripts that put the Bitcoin price at top and 
PNY and dash deed prices on the top. I mean, it's, it's better. So anyways, um, before we dive in and talk about Linux, using Linux as your daily driver, I think we should do maybe like a little bit of a history lesson. That talk about like what makes up a distro and why what you think is Linux might not actually be Linux. So what is Linux? Linux is a kernel. Kernel is spelled in this case K-E-R-N-E-L. This is all the Linux. This is all that Linux is. It's just a kernel. It runs at the lowest possible level of the operating system. Its job is to talk to the hardware, like the CPU, GPU, memory, and your crappy printer. It provides um, it provides like the interaction to the hardware. The kernel is responsible for enforcing the permissions, like what modules can be loaded and what modules um, shouldn't be un should be unloaded. It's like it's the heart of the operating system. Linux was released September 17th, 1991. It was created by Linus Torvalds. He announced the project on comp.os.minix. That's a Usenet group, if you're not familiar. Usenet is like an, like older forums. Think of them as forums, but you had to have a client that uh, uh, you could connect to, like an email client, but it was a Usenet client instead. Uh, in his announcement, it read, Hello, everyone out there using Minix. I'm doing a free operating system. Just a hobby. Won't be big and professional like GNU. Uh, for 386 AT clones. This has been brewing since April and is uh, starting to get ready. I'd like to any feedback on things that they like or dislike in Minix, as my OS resembles it somewhat. Same physical layout of the file system due to practical reasons, among other things. I currently have Bash 1.08 and GCC 1.40, uh, and things seem to be uh, it seem to, things seem to work. This implies that uh, I'll get something practical within a few months, and I'd like to know what features most people would want. Any suggestions are welcome, but I won't promise I'll implement them. Linus. P.S. Yes, it's free of any Minix code, and it has a multi-threaded file system. It is not portable. Uses 386, task switching, etc., and it probably never will support anything other than AT hard, hard disks, as that's all I have. Linus Torvalds. I mean... If you read this from the 2021 perspective, it's crazy. I mean, it has all of the things that it says that it wouldn't have <laughs> and more. Uh, anyways, let's let's keep getting into our history here. But what the heck is Minix? You heard me mention Minix. All right, we're going to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole, and this is kind of where the episode takes a little bit of a, a turn and maybe like uh, goes off into left field, but it's important. Linus, at the time of the Linux release, was going to school at the University of Helsinki. At the university, while learning Unix, they used an operating system called Minix. Minix was created by Andrew S. Tannenbaum. Its cost, uh, its cost was $69, and there was no available source code. The publisher of Minix required this fee, along with the copy of Tannenbaum's book, uh, to be applied as a compromise, and then a copy of the, open, uh, the source code could, could be given to the student. But... Minix was not free and not open source. Back in 1985, resident hippie-in-chief Richard Stallman got fed up with the proprietary Unix utilities and kernel, so he created the Free Software Foundation. This was the birth of GNU, of the GNU General Public License. Uh, this software, this was software that you could get to like run on your hardware, and it was not proprietary, and it was free, meaning it didn't cost any money. 
So in the in the email that I just read, Linus mentions he was porting Bash and GCC to run on on Linux. Porting is like the act of getting uh, your software to run on hardware and your kernel and your system calls. It's it's just a way you can make the same software with a few tweaks run on other operating systems. Um, yeah. The Free uh, Software Foundation continues today with many volunteers supporting over 5,000 different projects. Uh, these projects include, as mentioned before, Bash, GCC, glibc, and GNU has its own kernel. Now, I keep saying GNU. What does that mean? Uh, GNU, I don't know what this is called, but there's a lot of projects, um, free open source projects out there that do this. But GNU stands for GNU is not Unix, and that's spelled G-N-U. So it's whatever you call that when you use the, the term in the definition or in the, 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 the lettering. It's whatever. I don't understand. Like I said, resident hippie in chief. Linus says Linux uh, really didn't take off well until X-Windows ported to the platform in 1992. So X-Windows is the graphical interface. It acts as a server client. It's how you can actually get graphics, um, really use a GPU, that kind of stuff. Uh, it's It's... It is the reason that you can use Linux on the desktop, on your on your laptop or desktop. Uh, there's other ones out there now, but X Windows was like the the original. Okay, so back to Minix. Linus liked using Minix, but wanted his own alternative. So he set out to do what any good hacker would do: make it. The first and most controversial thing he did, according to Tannenbaum, was move away from the microkernel and in favor of the monolithic kernel. A microkernel is just like a mostly minimal kernel. It's like the most minimal, minimal kernel you can make. Drivers and all the protocol stacks and file systems, they all actually happen at the user space, so that stuff's not built into the kernel. Unlike Linux, you can't, um, you, th that's not how it works. I mean, there are some user space stuff for file system and all, and all that, but you can build a module directly into the kernel. Now, I can't pretend to know which is better, but you know, from my years of using Linux, when stuff, happens in the kernel it, ha it tends to happen faster and we don't have to wait for the for the cpu and all of that i mean we can interrupt it anytime we want and take over because we're doing it in the kernel so i can't pretend to know which one better but it seems to be that uh linux one uh the flame there was a flame war between tannenbaum and linus on comp.os.minix usenet and um basically where tannenbaum defended his way of doing it and linus defended his way of doing it and Linus has been famous for flame wars online, so that shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. However, in the past year, he's really taken a break from really flaming people, but it still happens. Um, all right, so Minix is just another Unix clone like, like Linux. And uh, Linus used it and wanted it to be free to hobbyists. He wanted to, it to be able to run on hardware from the GNU project. <laughs> in the end, maybe that's all I should have just said. <laughs> that last sentence. <laughs> I'm sorry that I brought you down the rabbit hole of Minix. I, and we didn't even talk about Unix and Bell Labs. I, I don't, it's just probably not worth the time to do it. So I'm not even going to touch it. But the Unix from Bell Labs was the original Unix made by Dennis Ritchie. Uh, and that's why we have multi-user operating systems. Anyways, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. So now I'm going to dispel some myths about Linux. Myth one. It's hard to install software. Everything has to be compiled. Most distros have their own package management system software. Like in Debian, there's Apt. Um, Buntu, Buntu uses Apt. It's a Debian. It's like an offshoot of Debian. Uh, or Yum 
in Red Hat based distros like Rocky Linux. And if that's not enough, a lot of companies are coming out with app images. Uh, these are like files that um, everything's all in the file and basically it's a double clickable file and the GUI pops up. Um, in, the, in the Bitcoin world, Ledger does this. Uh, in the crypto world, um, YubiKey does this. It's, it's becoming extremely common that these guys are just rolling their own apps and um, that, that's how they provide it to you. But if that's not enough, Snapcraft, crap, <laughs> Snack, Snapcraft is available on all major distros. Um, and they're basically, they come out with um, applications that snap in and they, they just work. It's sort of like the, the apps, images that the other companies are coming out with. It's just kind of like a distribution hub for lots of applications. And like I say, they just snap in. It creates an icon where you're used to using it, all of that. But if that's not enough, Flatpak is also available. Flatpak is extremely similar to snap um, the applications just snap in and both of these have their own graphical interfaces that you can pop open and you can search for packages you can go online to their website click the packages and if you have flat pack installed or if you have snap installed it kind of does everything else for you and it's just ready to go I mean it is actually in my opinion easier than installing applications on Windows where you got to go out to the website find the application download it double click it nope it just there's a plugin, it installs, it communicates with your Linux distro, asks you for your password to install, installs, and it's just done from there. Like there's no no everything happens in the background, there's no downloading, nothing like that. Myth two. All my documents, images, they just I can't I can't work with them. Uh, or I can't make web pages, or you know, I'm used to using Dreamweaver, or I'm used to using Photoshop, or I'm used to using uh, Microsoft Office. Now, there are similar applications um, like LibreOffice for Word or uh, GIMP for images that would, that would be similar to Photoshop. But, but if you're a Photoshop realist, and I know you all exist because I've been told this a million times, uh, I got something for you um, coming up. And it's not wine. Uh, check, out, and if you, check out OpenShot. I just started using OpenShot because I really liked iMovie in... Uh, in, in on the Mac, but OpenShot is almost exactly like using iMovie. I, I was I was shocked, and uh, so I would recommend checking out OpenShot. Uh, Linux was created by hackers. Hackers use Linux. Hackers like to get stuff done without a lot of hassle. There's, I think that the most lazy computer or laziest computer users out there are Linux users. They want to get stuff done as fast as possible so they can do something else. <laughs> uh, myth three, I can't game on Linux. Well, that's false, kind of. I'm not really a gamer, so I can't like go deep down into this, but that's something that I hear a lot. <laughs> a little anecdote, I bought a PlayStation and I bought a copy of Battlefield. And I thought that maybe, you know, instead of like going home and continuing my work day, that I could maybe, as a stress reliever, play Battlefield. <laughs> I was on the first level. I'm assuming that there's levels. I don't really know. And the thing kept telling me for an hour to paint the target. Well, I have no idea how to do that. It doesn't give me any hints. There's no like gameplay instructions. Like the last time I played a game, you pop the thing open and there were instructions. There's a instruction manual in the in the CD. They don't have that anymore. So um, I uh, I shut it off 
and I never played it again. <laughs> Luckily, my kids play it and all that, so it wasn't like a total waste, but I found out it was not a stress reliever. So, uh, But I did install Steam on my, on my Linux laptop and my Linux desktop I have uh, to play Call of Duty with my son. Uh, I haven't dug deep into what games do or don't work, but I do have a, another solution just like uh, for Photoshop and, and Word and all of that if you're not happy with the alternates or just decide that gaming's a waste of time because I think it is. I have to use the command myth for I have to use the command line. That's false. Just like uh, Windows or Mac, only the real power users or pro users need to use the console or the command line. With Flatpak and Snap, and uh, if you use Debian or Rocky, they have their own package manager GUIs where you can search for the applications you want to use. So there's, there's no need to do any command line work, really. I mean, you can still open the command line and compile if you want to, but you shouldn't have to. Uh, what distro should I use? Now, I get this one a lot, and Linux users also have their opinion on what distro you should use. But I say the same thing every time. It's really up to you. I use the vanilla Debian. I kind of, I'm, I'm a realist, or I don't know what, the, what that's called, actualist. Like, I want to use the stuff as closest to the original creators as possible. And so Debian is as close, like when you go and you look online at who's submitting patches and things like that, it's like the Gen 2 project or it's a Debian project. Like these guys are going to roll uh, security vulnerabilities and all that quickly. So that's important to me. And so that's why I run Debian. Uh, a lot of people use Ubuntu, especially beginners. And I do think that Ubuntu is a good um, distro, uh, but I don't like their default GUI. I, I, uh, I think they use GNOME as their default GUI, and I just I don't like GNOME because it's, it's... I do like... When Windows 95 came out, it was revolutionary about how you, could, how you could work with the desktop and the icons and all of that, and that's something that I have a hard time getting away from. Like, I used um, OpenBox for a while on Linux, and, um, in fact, one of my first projects of a computer that went in a hog barn that farmers could... Uh, um, you know, put numbers of pigs and they could put levels on the, on the bins and stuff, but used open box because open box is very minimalistic. But, uh, I think that I like for me as a daily driver, I need to get stuff done faster and having icons on my desktop and having, not having to right click to open my menus and all that kind of stuff is important to me. And I just don't like the way GNOME does it. And uh, that, that's what Ubuntu's chosen. I used to use Gen 2 and I do not recommend this for beginners. Uh, Everything is compiled in Gen 2, so their package manager is compiling. <laughs> so I would not recommend that. Uh, Mint, I used that one on my machine in the basement. I wanted um, AMD, really good machine that, that had a um, AMD, Radeon, whatever video card I put in, support. And Mint worked great, works great. Uh, there's a lot of projects out there, um, and each of them have their own target audience. You got Kali Linux that targets, you know, the people that want to uh, do penetration testing um, you have paid distros like Red Hat uh, there's there's just a plethora of stuff out there um, I would recommend going to distrowatch.com that's spelled d-i-s-t-r-o-w-a-t-c-h.com it's a great resource and uh, I think that y you'll find a distro there um, I would say the things that I would look for is the frequency of updates and all that kind of stuff to make sure the project isn't dead. There are projects like Slackware 
where Patrick, the the guy who makes makes Slackware, got sick, and so there was a big delay between releases. But now, like, the releases are happening again. He's he got over his his troubles and he he's back at it again. Okay. So now I've convinced you, and I can hear you saying. So now, tell me how I can use Photoshop and Dreamweaver. I'm ready to format. Computers nowadays are super powerful, like a ridiculous amount of power. Uh, and when you're just sitting in Linux doing nothing, like there's no resources being used. So. VirtualBox is a great and awesome solution that lets you use Windows on top of your Linux. And since you already have bought a license for Windows that comes with your laptop, it doesn't cost you any more. It also lets you pass devices directly through. So maybe you've got like some awesome GPU that you want to use for gaming. It'll pass it through the, the VM to the OS. Linux won't even see the graphics card anymore. I don't know how they do it. Whatever. It's power of Linux. Uh, the OS gets... So, like, say you got an Oculus, uh, that thing from Meta the, for the Metaverse, which is stupid. But I know a lot of people use them. So uh, it gets direct hardware access inside of VirtualBox, inside the Windows you're running. You can make it full screen. You wouldn't even know you had Linux on the other machine. I mean, it's perfect. You can game on it, whatever. And I think over time, you'll find out that... Um, you're firing up your Windows VM less and less and less. And uh, you'll find yourself just using Linux. That's it. You just That'll be what you're using. Look, I know this one, eh, it wasn't bad. It was a long one. But uh, we had a problem with our server yesterday, with the server yesterday at the office. Uh, we were installing Proxmox on it, which is like a, a virtual machine management. Think of, think of VMware. And... Um, the issue happened to be display and it, it kind of got me started back thinking about my roots where I got started and uh, there was a way to make me do it faster but uh, as a Linux guy not not so much my lazy Linux admin I was convinced that Linux had this video problem figured out and if you search Proxmox 7.2 video problems you'll find it and none of those solutions worked but my solution, I figured it out. I got it working the way that I wanted it to work. And we got it installed and it works fine now. But as I was reflecting on it and I decided to do this particular episode on Friday, uh, that uh, I, I wanted to talk about the long road about Linux and how we, how we all got to here. So anyways, uh, if you're still here and I didn't bore you to death, I hope you enjoyed this history lesson and some myth busting. So go and... Uh, Rip up your Monday.